Welcome to Rooted and Reaching, a podcast from the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia in Columbia, Maryland, where we celebrate the beauty of our diversity. In our conversations here, we share stories of our journeys and explore ideas that challenge us in order to nurture the interdependent web of which we are all a part. We are rooted in faith, reaching for community. In this episode, we're joined by UUCC member, former UUCC staff member, and seminarian Jen Raffensberger. Join us to hear about Jen's experience with Unitarian Universalism, the road to seminary, and how seminary's been going. She's also going to share some of her favorite memories of UUCC. Yay! Thanks for being with us today on Rooted and Reaching, our new UUCC podcast. How are you? Thanks for asking me. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. You're a UUCC member, but you're also in seminary. So guess what? We want to hear about that. And our first question for you today is, when did you become UU? What were you, what faith were you raised in? Okay, so I'll answer it backwards. I was raised uh, Roman Catholic. I stayed ostensibly in that religion, like until I was an adult, right? Until I was like 18. And then I gave up any pretenses of, of Catholicism. I took my faith very seriously when I was young, but I also started having like, because I took it so seriously, I also started having some real beefs with it, yeah. like pretty young also. Um, and then I was, so I left it at 18. And then for the next math is hard um, <laughs> until I was like 40, I bounced all over the spiritual landscape. I was a hard atheist. I was spiritual, but not religious. I used to promise myself that I would like once a week, I will go in the woods for an hour and that is how I worship. It's different from church. And I didn't do it, right? Like, I think that's a beautiful practice, right. except I didn't actually do it. And what brought me to Unitarian Universalism was activism. I was in 2011, the Maryland legislature legalized same-sex marriage. So I was doing a lot of volunteering with Marylanders for marriage equality. Mm -hmm. um, and we phone banked at Owen Brown Interfaith Center. We, um, so I did, a, I did a phone bank and I saw the, those gorgeous plates on the wall. So oh, I Googled after, I, after that phone bank, I Googled Unitarian Universalism and the next weekend I went to UUCC and I sat in the back and I cried a whole bunch. And uh, I mean, it was Paige was, you know, Reverend Paige was preaching. At the time we had uh, Reverend Paige, we had Reverend Karen Rasmussen. So there were women preachers, there were queer women preachers. And I was sitting there just having a church experience that was unlike anything that I had ever had. And I felt home. Thank you. Of the journey to Unitarian Universalism, can you think of any pivotal moments that make you made you feel connected to the UU faith? Right. So that first day was right. was a big one, and then then literally the next week that I got a welcome at UUCC that I never got anywhere else. And for other moments of connection, I took um, uh, "Are you interested in Unitarian Universalism?" Like Karen, Reverend Karen was doing these classes. And one of the activities that was just a part of the class on a Saturday morning was write your statement of belief. Like, what do you believe in? And I was like, people are interested in what I believe. There are so many awesome people who are raised Unitarian Universalism and stayed Unitarian Universalism. But I think there's a number of us out there who've found it as adults 
later in our lives when we felt like there wasn't anything I felt there wasn't anything else that like I had been so dismissive of religions as being none of them were the correct one mm -hmm. that I didn't think there would be one that would be the correct one for me. Right. Right. That it's not got all the answers, but that it's a place that makes my searching for those answers and struggling with the lack of answers really more like it that made that act sacred. And the one last thing I have to give a shout out to is that time that our, um, DRE came up to us and said, do you want to be trained as an owl facilitator? And I didn't know what our whole lives was at the time. And when I was, when I learned about the program of comprehensive faith-based sexuality education that literally expand the whole life. So I was like, I can't not do this. So when did the light bulb go off in your head? Maybe it wasn't a light bulb, but when did you start to feel pushed or called towards being in ministry? So the first day I sat at UCC and yeah. it's, it's one of those, it's one of those stories that I've told in, in different contexts a lot over the years, because I felt called to ministry in that moment, but I won't say it's like, I've described it as some people call it, like, if you're listening for the still small voice, right. And I was like, no, it was a very loud voice that I had had cotton in my ears because I hadn't in Catholicism, there are certainly some strong leaders who are like nuns, who are lay leaders, who are women. They were not a part of my personal experience growing up Catholic. Um, that's not what I got. And a lot of the loudest and most amazing Catholic women leaders are shunned by the church's hierarchy, right? So I think that what I interpret as a call to ministry was something that had been there in me in a long time, dormant in a way, because I did not put myself in a place where I could possibly hear it. Um, and of course, I also realized that is the most arrogant thing I could possibly do. Like just sit there and say, oh, <laughs> like just sit there and listen to Paige preach <laughs> and then have the audacity to turn around and say, I could do that. Come on. Right. Like that is so it was arrogant. Right. And this is I really have examined this. It is not just, oh, women aren't taught to be confident. It's arrogant. You it's have to learn about the culture and the religion you want to lead in before you can be like, I could feel the call to leadership all I wanted, but I had to do a lot of work. Right. And that's, and that's part of like being asked to be an owl teacher. I threw myself in to UCC, I volunteered, I did, I did a reflection group, right? So that I could, there were, the, so that there was at least a couple of people in the congregation every Sunday where I'd be like, I know you, you know? So I threw myself, I, tr I, I asked for recommendations for books. Um, I had conversations with both Reverend Page and Reverend Karen about what it meant. Um, Reverend Karn was especially wonderful mentor to me because she had a full career in the Navy and she didn't go into the ministry until her fifties. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna, if everything goes according to plan, I'm going to have walked set foot in a Unitarian Universalist church for the first time when I was 40 and I'm gonna be ordained when I'm 49. So the whole time is gonna be described within a decade of my life. And it's, I had a whole career and life going on before I walked in that door. So I no longer remember the question that you asked me that I'm <laughs> responding to. Okay, I know that that answer was better than the question ever was gonna be. <laughs> um, what part of ministry are you most passionate about? 
So it's a, it's a tie, right? I would not be a Unitarian Universalist if I didn't believe humans could make the human world better, right? Like, I, so activism brought me to UUCC, the building, right? It brought me to the faith. And I think the giving ourselves a space to dream and then to make the dream, like to, to do the work, we have changed so much. And obviously now we've had the last chunk of time where on dark days, it feels like all of that is going to go away. But to me, there the faith that I have in humanity and in the work we do in this world is, but we did it. And that changed people's lives profoundly, right? And the other thing I've got to say, I love preaching. <laughs> That's yeah. one of those things I heard. I heard Reverend Paid preach and I was like, I could do that arrogant, but then I tried it and then I've taken classes and I've done it again and again. And like, I can do that. I can't, I don't have her style. I don't speak the way that she does, but I have my own that is developing and growing. And to me, um, I'm a verbal processor. So I write and I speak and I act. And those are the things that, and to me, that's the life-changing, life-saving thing that, that I think Unitarian Universalism can do is to build these structures for us to, 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 to dream and make our world more fair, just and equitable, right? And, and being a minister doesn't mean I have all the answers and I can tell y'all how to do it. It means let's learn together. That's, that's what it is for me. How do you write your sermons? <laughs> is there like uh -huh. a style? I feel like ministers have a style. Like, are you in a quiet room? So <laughs> it is. So I, I mentioned I'm a verbal processor. I have a daily practice. Um, this has been spotty. I've been um, keeping a journal of one kind or another, basically since I was 11 years old. But I, once I entered seminary and people were very, very, interested in you having there's someone knocking on my door and ringing my doorbell that's grand Fine. I, I hope that's just a delivery we can cut all this right yeah I mean this is just life right like this is life this is this is the this is the world we're currently occupying this is December 2020 it's fine I don't remember what we were talking about how has seminary been is there a way to answer that question <laughs> so how much time have you got no um <laughs> I mean, it's been long. So I am in, I just completed my penultimate semester, right? So I have one semester left. Seminary has been amazing. It is, seminary is not just about classwork. There's a 400 hour unit of intense didactic and small group work where you learn about group dynamics and conflict and it feels almost like group therapy, but then you're also just providing spiritual care to like the sick and the dying. And so there's, there's just aspects of seminary that are just so hard to explain what the emotional and spiritual labor is like. One of the key things about training to be a minister is learning, is kind of taking yourself apart, right? To, to, to be a healthy minister, you have to know to know where my own prejudices are. Things you examine in your past, like I talked about Catholicism and the reality is that I had to come to a peace with certain damage that was done to me by the way I was raised in the faith I was raised in, 
in order to healthily engage, not just in my own continued faith journey, but to hope to provide support to people who may come to a Unitarian Universalist church who still really honor their Catholic upbringing and their tradition. That uh, that's like how tall. seminary was, that I guess. That sounds like a tall order. It's a lot. Hey, just be the most evolved version of yourself for us, please. Yeah, could you just make sure role. you are like a super yeah. self-differentiated, self-aware? It's a lot. Right. It's a lot. Your emotional intelligence to be way up here. It was a hard lift and I had done, I had, I did not start doing the work of self-knowledge and self-differentiation when I entered seminary and it was hard hard is hard I say was like I'm done <laughs> that's great I mean that's optimistic though you will be done no you're never done you're oh, always learning right, right okay. you're never done not right. gonna be done until I'm dead and I'm not in a hurry for that part so what was the worst thing about seminary <laughs> <laughs> I gotta know it's 2020 the okay. pandemic yeah. it's terrible I can't see my colleagues anymore everything is on zoom People come in in the middle of meetings. Fortunately, like that door knock did not ever happen during like worship, but like it's, oh, right. So the worst part of seminary, that's not the pandemic. It's, it was so affirming at first of like, your ideas are great. And this is, that's, this is such an expansive faith tradition. And let's, you know, I think a lot of folks who are first entering into Unitarian Universalist spaces are like, it's so expansive and permissible. And we're not, right? Like the, you know, it's the old myth of you can believe anything you want. Well, that's, that's not true, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that we have, we live and agree to live in community by certain values and principles. And if you aren't on board with those, you're gonna have a hard time. Mm -hmm. I, and that's one of the reasons that I chose a Unitarian Universalist seminary was that I needed to learn and immerse myself in the culture and not just all the stuff I love, the stuff that's challenging, the stuff that's hard. Um, I have a mentor, the Reverend Elizabeth Mount, who told me, yeah, can you really lead in Unitarian Universalism before it's broken your heart? Mm -hmm. Right? Like you have to stay in community, whether that is an individual person in a church or in a community, in a congregation who has broken your heart or whether it is an entire community or a congregation that has broken your heart or whether it is a association wide right. thing that has broken your heart and then you stay in right so that was the that was probably the hardest part of seminary that is the hardest part of the road to ministry which is more than seminary and that's also just one of the hardest parts of being human because if you live in the world and you make connections in the world, your heart will be broken. Amen. Or else you're doing it wrong, as far right. as I'm concerned. <laughs> no, I don't say amen, it's not really my word, but I think that you know. one deserves it. Okay, one final question, unrelated to that. Can you share a favorite memory or two of UUCC? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, there was a women's retreat okay. that we did that was actually like an offsite, like weekend retreat at this place out in like Annapolis or near Annapolis. Um, that women's retreat was also so powerful. And I learned so much from older women mentors, uh, younger women who had been in the faith longer than I had and just making space and just a real sense of making community space sacred together, not because 
you know, and that's, that's a big separation from like, you know, the, the faith of my youth, which was, it's not, it's not a sacred space because there is a finger bone of a saint here. It's not a, it's not a sacred space because we dedicated this church and we did the right rituals and we did this thing. And now there's a consecrated Eucharist in the corner with a candle. Like it's sacred because we made it sacred together. Okay. Okay. Thanks for being here. Yay. No, thank you for having me. It was so much fun to have this conversation and, and to kind of stroll down memory lane a little bit. I miss everybody. They miss you too, Jen. Take care.